0: This is Coda Radio, episode 469 for June 6, 2022. Hello, friend. Welcome back to Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and the business, the software development, and the world of technology. Positioned right up here from the sunny Pacific Northwest, we're joined, as always, by our host,
1: Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. Hello, Chris, and uh, your your brother in good hair was spending some time with us earlier. He's sort of the hair king, really, isn't he? Really, the lord of the hair. The hair force one, you could say. So, something else, I tell you what.
0: Yeah, I also uh, am wearing my uniform. You like my new... Look at that, huh? Pretty snazzy Star Trek uniform I got here. I decided now uh, you can just call me Captain Pike.
1: <laughs> well, I have to tell you, I have seen all but the most recent episode of Strange New Worlds, and... With, with apologies to President Roslin. I'm in love again. Oh, really? A, a one number one, if it's you will. number one, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, of yeah. course. I know
0: you. I know you.
1: <laughs> For me, I'm kind of a Nurse Chapel guy myself. I could see that. Because like, you know a little more quirky over there. I'm like, no, I, I, want, I want some command presence.
0: But, you know, to tell you the truth, I am pretty impressed with this new Star Trek series. You know, you and I recently got on here and we were uh, yelling at the clouds about the new Star Trek and the kids that write it. And then Strange New Worlds comes along, and they haven't screwed it up so far. Yeah, it's really good. Isn't it the same writers? It's mostly the same team. But, you know, I've been thinking about this. Why is it so much better, right? Why is it better? And I think I've got a few reasons. I think, number one, they had to break out of their mystery box formula because it isn't one overarching story where they build and make more and more intense as the season goes on. And the issue there that I always have with Picard and Discovery is they don't deliver when they build and they build and they build and then they just don't deliver the ending like the season finale it's always such a mediocre delivery but with the episodic nature of strange new worlds they can't do that they can't just keep opening mystery box after mystery box they kind of have to keep it tidy per episode and they they're doing character arc stuff but that i think has been a big a big limiter and i think it's forced them to solve a big issue that a lot of us had with it i think number 2 they're working With legitimate source material, right? This is a fifty-year-old pilot they're working with here. The source material was created by the original team. It isn't a whole cloth creation like Discovery and Picard are. Yeah, I mean, they can't have that much source material, can they? Though they've got to be doing something. I mean, you got Spock, you got Uhura, you got the Enterprise, you got Pike, you got the era, you got you know all of the stuff that we know about that era, like the Klingons, the Romulans, right? It really provides them. Yet it's it's like a framework. But because it's so vague, like you kind of just said, there's also a lot they can. It's sort of like the perfect balance for this new writing team, I think. It's This is my theory, at least. This is I'm because, you know, you, you want to look at it almost from like a product development standpoint, because the first couple of versions, Picard and Discovery, they launched, I think don't hold up as products. They I think they had systemic problems. But then they got this one so far. They've got it right now. They could still screw it up. But what changed? Right. And. Was it an institutional thing? Was it a leadership change? Was it a team change? Was it new constraints that just forced a better outcome? Sometimes it's that, but I can't help but think what changed, what made it a better product that I think there's a lesson in there for anybody.
1: I wonder if it's that we all know how the story with Captain Pike goes. I think the fans would have an uproar if they did some alternate universe BS and saved him, right? (laughs) Sorry for 40 year old spoilers, I guess. Yeah,
0: actually, I think it's near 50, actually. So. Near 50-year-old spoilers? <laughs>
1: <Maybe>. <laughs> Dude doesn't do well. I mean, he, he does... Well, it ends badly. I don't know. I, I like it. I, thought, I will say I loved the first couple episodes of Picard, and then I was just like, this is very... Like, there's just a lot of nothing happening here.
0: There is that. So they are right at
1: the point where sometimes New Trek loses me. I don't know. It was really good. And I, I know this episode I haven't seen yet, Shoreleaf, and I just want to hope that they have those statues on Riza.
0: Oh, is that the next episode? Huh. Okay. I haven't seen that. Oh, maybe I'm not behind.
1: They come out on Thursdays, don't they?
0: Yeah. So it'll be the day after this, this episode comes out. So we're recording on Monday. Today was WWDC 2022. Yes, we all return to the mothership. I am totally discombobulated because um, I didn't get in until right before the stream starts. So this is going to be a focus show is what I like to call it. And I think, you know what you and I need to figure out, which we could have talked about earlier. We got to figure out when we're going to do a double because you're traveling and I'm traveling soon. So I was thinking maybe like the next thing we record
1: is a feedback special. I was, I was thinking that or or we shouldn't be doing this on the air, I don't think. But why not? Production meeting time. I do have that dev one. Oh, I think we should talk about that today. Possible today. First impressions All right. All right. Yeah. yeah. First it.
0: impressions today. and Then. Yeah. But uh, we'll chat more. We might actually need to pre-record two episodes. I don't know. But you and I will sync up. Uh, So I don't have much feedback for today's episode. So I thought we'd start with a couple of WWDC highlights and would kind of just work through what you and I found interesting. Apple mentioned right at the top they have 34 million developers. That's a lot of $100 a year subscriptions. I'm sure some of those are free, but 34 million devs is their biggest number ever. They really went all in on Craig Federiki this year. They had, like, glorious. Mission Impossible meets Hair Force One. <laughs> I actually loved all of them. They were so on the on the edge of being too much, but I loved them, especially that one where he super ran, like, uh, speed and and uh, put his hair back. I might have a man crush on Craig Federiki. The only problem is when he tries to be earnest, and he tries to be, you know, earnest about your privacy and stuff like that. I don't buy it anymore.
1: I also don't buy his epic basketball shot. I I
0: don't think he made it across town. Okay, that's where they went too far. Is the 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 Swift the track suit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was too far dude. I was like, okay, that's too much. I feel like that conference where I watched Craig Federici try to claim that, you know, any kind of side-loading at all would hurt mom and grandma. It changed forever how I see that guy now. Like when I see him get all earnest about safety, I just don't really buy it. It seems like he's acting. I also thought the Tim Cook stuff seemed a little rushed. It was just boom, Tim Cook. He was kind of going like he needed another couple of takes. This was like his first or second take of the read and he was rushing through it. They didn't mm-hmm. treat the audio. So there's root because I'm listening on my studio headphones. There's a crazy echo on Tim's audio. They didn't, and they've shot in those locations before without that problem. And Tim Cook just kind of, he just. He blazes through the beginning, and he blazes through the end. They were both clearly shot at the same location at the same exact time of day. They got like 20 minutes with Tim this time, and they just rushed it. And I find that wild,
1: considering this is their most public thing they do now. I feel like Craig Federighi is just kind of better at the kind of silly you know, showman stuff.
0: Oh, no doubt about it. Craig's the better showman. But Tim's previous introductions were much more produced like they were the the camera shots were better the audio was better tim's reads were better you know when you're working with somebody who's not familiar with any of that stuff you they generally need a couple of passes at it before they get a real natural on-camera read they didn't even bother with that with the intro or the outro and he didn't show up at all in the rest of the video just an interesting observation i thought probably fine i felt like there was an overall theme to this wwdc and not to be cliche, but I really felt this WWDC's theme was finally. Like, we're finally getting this stuff. Some of it, it's like, I'm kind of angry. It's only now arriving, and some of it's, you know, it's great to see it here. Like, uh, they made a big start with the new lock screen. It looks great. It reminds me of watch customizations, but I can't believe we're 10 years into this thing. We're finally getting this.
1: Yes, a, and the whole profiles thing, which is directly related to the to the lock screen, is I looked it up, was a feature of webOS <laughs> way back in the day.
0: Yeah, and different Android vendors took cracks at this too. Yep. Generally, Apple does a better implementation when they do. And they, one thing I liked is right off the top, they're like, API for this, API for this. Like the new lock screen, mm-hmm. there's a live activities API. The new focus mode, there's now a focus filter API that extends into apps. You know, that kind of stuff, right? There's now a new shared with you API for messages, so you can reach into there. New APIs for dictation, new APIs for maps. They just boom, 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 boom. Every time in the beginning, it didn't keep going like this, but at the very beginning of the keynote, everything they announced, they said, and there's an API for it. That's good to see. That feels right. Like that's how they should be at a developer conference. And the one thing that I noticed, and I'm curious your thoughts on this, they are really clever with their messages strategy. And I think most of the chat room that was watching live didn't get it. Messages has been this steady iteration of improvements a lot of times it's like features other stuff have had like mark a group thread as unread they just got that but it works doesn't it because you don't want to move the gas pedal on the average user
1: and this is an average user app yeah and this is their their i mean we've been schooled by the younger folks that listen about the whole green bubble thing right so I I mean, I, you know, I'm notorious for typos and it was funny when he did the one that said babe and Gabe, I've done something very similar (laughs) and you just want to change that, right? You just want to like have that not be like something that can come back, you know, 10 years Well, I had an
0: embarrassing typo to my dad that was one of those things, you know, I was like, oh my God, sorry, dad. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's good to see that stuff, I suppose. I, I think in general, Apple has pretty good family stuff, but I think they finally addressed the shared photo album. We've gotten questions into the show about this. And this isn't too revolutionary, but the idea is that it looks like it's going to use some like face ID. Yeah, I mean like identifying the faces in the photo albums. It's going to use location information. It's going to use your family sharing settings. And a feature that I think is clever, when you're in the camera app taking the picture, there'll be a little indication if this is a photo that's going to your private library or your family library. And you can tap to toggle that. Nothing really, no developer story here, but I actually really like this from an end user's perspective because I've got devices I'm taking pictures with, my wife does, now my kids do, and Angela does. We're all in one family sharing group. We are constantly trying to figure out best ways to share photos. And of course, it's all synced to iCloud and backed up. I mean, for average users, these are table stakes features that, again, finally.
1: Yep. I mean, I feel the parental control stuff I think was good. Maybe not super interesting for the show. Um, But it goes into your family sharing thing right easily. Oh, you know, every couple of years kid has to get a new iPad because weirdly enough schools use them now. Right. But you want to lock that stuff down if it is not school issued. Yeah. And it looks like
0: you're going to be able to set that up
1: up front now. Right. Up front and be able to control it from your device rather than have to be like, give me the thing. I got to go into settings, blah, blah, blah.
0: Yeah. And a little NFC setup, too. So you can bring your phone to their iPad and start just setting it up
1: automatically. Yep. Love it. I like the um, kind of just one we jumped over the new uh, shared with you API. Depending on how robust that is, that could be really cool uh, when you tie it to shortcuts, right? Or even just like automation workflows. Um, you know, oh, get me all the pictures that grandma sent, right? I'm in a very family oriented boat apparently right now, but you could see how that could really. Just ease a lot of the like, oh, uh, copy, paste, blah, 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 go back, get another one, copy, paste.
0: Yeah. And it'd be a great way to just make sure you're always grabbing the photos and backing them up and you're not accidentally letting them expire and lose them. And mm-hmm. yeah, especially when you pair it with automation, I could see that really nice. There was one that our chat room was like, I think the most universally against one of the announcements. And this was the full CarPlay takeover, your, all your dash,
1: your whole dashboard, everything. How often does, it, I can tell you from my experience, my phone dies all the time, right, if I'm running around going from place to place. And also, that seems really distracting to me.
0: I have no doubt. They would build in some sort of can't edit while you're moving feature, you know,
1: accelerometer detects movement. They just disable editing. Ford's going to have to build their own UI. anyway, because it's going to have to be like, you don't have your iPhone with you, fall back to something sane.
0: Oh, man, that means this is going to suck, right? I hadn't, Of course, it's, it sounds like 20 manufacturers are claiming they're going to support this. I'll play devil's advocate and just say, you know, I I agree that CarPlay is a mandatory feature or Android Auto if I'm using the Android, because ultimately it is a much better experience than anything that the vendors provide. And like one of the reasons why I don't really want a Tesla is because I can't do CarPlay on it. And I know that sounds crazy and I'd probably get over it, but I love having my podcast and my nav and everything can be on my phone. I can look a route up on my phone. I can download podcasts on a phone. All that stuff you can do on your phone, and then I can just go plug it into my dash, and I have all of it on the screen in my car. I love that. Uh, I I could see it being a better experience than what any manufacturer is going to make, but you're right. They could never depend on it. So, of course, it's going to be like an application that's running on the vendor's platform. I don't know. It does make you think maybe Apple does have some, like, division internally that's doing car stuff, even if it's just for these kinds of products and not ever going to result in an actual car. Could be, yeah. I, personally, super excited to see them spend so much time talking about Matter up on stage. Matter is a multi-vendor home automation protocol, basically, and it includes Amazon and Google and Microsoft and the Zigbee Foundation and a whole bunch of vendors. And the great thing about it is it requires to be compliant with the Matter standard Vendors must implement a local control API so you can control devices over your LAN. It's a requirement to be compliant with the spec. No cloud services dependencies. Now, you can use cloud services and you can offer additional services, but the minimum spec requires that you have a local control protocol. That's a big deal. And so to see Apple up on stage pushing it when it's been sort of lagging, I felt was a big moment for the Matter protocol. They, ch- I think this WWDC just changed the game for Matter.
1: So for us in, like, the self-hosting community, this is a big deal. Yeah, it would be great if a standard kind of became, you know, de facto and we could get, I don't do a bunch of the home automation stuff, but from what I hear from self-hosted and just a weird guy I know who complains about it all the time, not Chris, is that none of this stuff is really compatible. So, like, HomeKit's its own little dimension and, yeah.
0: Uh, Before we get into, like, OS and APIs and all that kind of stuff, I just wanted to get your opinion on the heart stuff they talked about. They have new tools now to monitor for stroke. They have AFib history. They've updated the health app to like display all your AFib information and to export it as a PDF for your doctor to review. They seem to have a real focus on you know heart health.
1: Yeah, I think it's all good. I mean, I use the current stuff. So when iOS nine you know comes out in production mode for Apple Watch, I'll use that too. Uh, I think it's good. It's you know a watch is perfectly placed to also get that information. If you're, you know, not wearing it in some weird way, like up your arm, I like it. I think they do a good job. Their numbers are pretty accurate. If you wear your watch, with the proper tightness, I mean, I, I kind of like all the fitness stuff as I'm trying to get in better shape. They, they seem to, you know, they seem to be really focused on progressing your fitness rather than just saying, hit your steps. In particular, the the heart zone rate monitor is interesting because you could say, "I, I don't for someone who has a heart problem, you maybe don't want to go above a certain zone, right? You want to stay, the goal is to stay low, not to go high, unless you uh, have to.
0: Linode.com slash Coder. Go there to get $100 in six day credit on a new account, and you go to support this here show. Keep the Coder program going by going over to Linode.com slash Coder. Linode is fast, reliable cloud hosting. You got to try it for your next project. It's how I've deployed everything for the last couple and a half years. But I am so impressed by the project that we did this last weekend. We set up PeerTube again on Linode using its object storage as our back end for our video storage. And during WWDC, we had several hundred people live streaming from our Linode PeerTube instance. And it worked fantastic. And now those videos are up there. Available for playback, streamed straight from Linode's object storage. And they got 11 data centers around the world. So if you want to deploy something for yourself, they got something close to you or your customers. If you want something with extremely high throughput, they have AMD EPIC processors. They have MVME storage. They even have 40 gigabit connections coming into the hypervisors. But the best part, they are their own ISP. So they just have fantastic connectivity. And then you combine that with the best support in the business. The massive hyperscalers... They'll want to lock you into their esoteric platforms, can't afford to do the level of support that Linode can. And as far as features go and the UI, well, Linode's been refining that for 19 years, just steadily making it better and better. And now it's the best place to run an application on Linux. They've recently introduced managed databases as well. I've told you I love their object storage, their cloud firewalls, their alerts that you can simply configure, their dashboard that makes it simple to see what your machine is up to, and of course, the support, and the performance. Go build something, go learn something, try something, and support the show. Just go to linode.com slash coder. Get that $100 and try it out. linode.com slash coder. I think the biggest item that got your attention and my attention is the M2 was announced and there's a lot here. 50% more memory bandwidth, up to 24 gigabytes of RAM on the base M model, eight-core CPU, that's four high-performance, four efficiency cores. They're saying on average it's about 18% faster than the M1, about 1.9x, that's 1.9 times the performance of an Intel chip at the same power level, so nearly twice the performance. And uh, they have a now 10-core next-gen GPU, that's two more cores than the M1, They're claiming 25% better GPU performance at the same power level as the M1. They have a new next-generation neural processor unit in there, a new next-generation secure enclave in there. The media encoding engine has been greatly improved, multiple 4K and 8K streams, ProRes encode and decode, etc., etc. The new M2 chip, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say they're lapping Intel again. They're looping them now. It's a loop.
1: It's it's a pretty impressive display. Did you also notice that they had to compare them to old Intel Macs too just to
0: Yeah, that's where it's brutal. That that's yeah, that was really brutal. So you see it all come together in the M2 MacBook Air. They uh, touted that the MacBook Air is the world's best-selling laptop and it's got a new square design. It's 20% thinner. They've popped the screen edge to edge, basically. They've brought the ports back. They brought MagSafe back. It's fanless. Oh
1: man. It looks like a killer machine. It looks like a good machine. It's got the notch, but I think the notch isn't as big a deal as some people would say. It's uh it's a good machine. I you know. It's like the M1, right? The it's interesting too, the pricing's pretty competitive. The M1 now is is now nine ninety nine and this one is uh what 1099 yeah 1199 I mean, yeah 1200 bucks
0: for a laptop that's pretty well specced at, at 1200 bucks right you you could you could buy the
1: base model and use it for six seven years pretty easily yep and then there's the 13 inch pro well no i would destroy it in three days yeah <laughs> or when the next model comes out right of course accidentally accidentally but the macbook pro 13 inch another respectable choice for those you've us who sometimes do air travel and can't open large laptops because we're chunky i like it i like how i like how they can't say fans though they have to say active cooling system it's like the most apple thing possible fans are beneath us so we say active cooling
0: we have an active cooling system to sustain performance but then they're not really clear like what the difference is between fanless and active cooling other than just more performance so if you want more performance you got to get the pro but then you're
1: also getting fans well, you know how, you, I mean, you know what it is, right? They use the, the low-energy cores more in the air and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and, yeah.
0: No, yeah, and they do a good job of managing the fans. Like, I still have yet to hear the fans in my 16 as far as I can remember. Um, I think maybe once in the Mac Mini M1 I've heard the fans kick up when I was doing like a trillion things on it. They're claiming that it's 39% faster in some photo filter work than the M1, 40% faster in gaming performance, 20 hours of video playback on the MacBook Pro. P3-wide color gamut display, $1,300. It's expensive, but I would argue that if you were to spec an Intel equivalent at $1,300, I bet you that MacBook comes out on top. Probably the uh, the thing that, I, I don't know, I'm going to guess you probably care the most about, maybe not, is macOS Ace Ventura.
1: Uh, you know, it, it kind of blows to be the Alfred app, I guess, because Spotlight's getting a lot of the features that power users use. Safari changes, I didn't have time before the show to really read into them. I'm hoping that Apple is like... Although I honestly care more about mobile Safari than I do Safari, so... Well, let's just like keep embracing standards and not being jerks about things. No, passkey looks interesting for, for your password you know management needs. You know, the stuff that I was like blah, like I never give a crap about mail. Stage manager, I don't really think that... I use magnet, right? I I like tiled windows, so...
0: Is this Apple attempting to bring some sort of window management system? And what is this? So Stage Manager is this new way to auto-arrange windows. You can group windows together. It brings one to center focus and slides the other off to like a new kind of dock on the side. It remembers window layouts for you. I'd be interested to see how that works with multi-window. They didn't cover multi-window or multi-monitor at all with this. It gathers them together, like so. If you have an app that has four or five windows, it'll bundle them all up for you. This is not the direction I expected for the Mac.
1: Um, you know, I I, th- I think with Stage Manager, you see Mac and iPad kind of coming together, and I, we have another section about iPad OS. But that is
0: it, right? That's that's the punchline. Is now Stage Managers on iPad OS? Now that feels like a revolution. This feels like another Mission Control on the Mac, but on the iPad, it feels like a fundamental feature that's been missing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I. F- I... I guess. You know, I keep wanting them to just like unleash the iPad and they did talk and this is again where I'm going to have to look at the dev sessions about new pro app API so I don't know what makes an API a pro API or like a regular API Um, so I'm going to have to look at that. Things I didn't buy their whole little bragging about gaming it, it just, no right, it's not going to happen on Mac.
0: Well wait, before you go on to that, going back to the iPad they said that apps will get 16 gigabytes of virtual memory they added a virtual memory manager to ipad os that seems kind of like a big deal
1: yeah good for photoshop
0: it's going to be great for photoshop also they introduced real grown-up display support like you plug in an external display you get the full resolution and you can drag windows
1: between the screens you know i I've been burned by this so many times where I, I get off a of WWC or one of their events. I'm like, yes, finally, I can do those pro tablet app Star Trek style that I want to do. And it's like, well, actually, these are just basically iPhone apps blown
0: up. Isn't the issue, honestly, that they could do anything to make iPad OS multitasking more powerful? And at the end of the day, if you don't know if your app's going to make it through the App Store, what's the point? That's the fundamental issue. And they don't even touch on that.
1: Well, there, there's there, it's really a two-step, right? One... Does the API exist to do what you want to do? (laughs) Two, is it somehow skirting or coming close to a perceived edge for Mapple? And you don't really know what those edges are. Now, I'm still willing to bet now that they've had to do the Epic lawsuit and you know there's going to be more of this App Store scrutiny that they're going to be a little less uh, jerk-like about this stuff. But obviously, like anything that tries to skirt in-app purchase is always going to be... um, looked down upon shall we say i do wonder about things like why can't we have like a really really good text editor that actually can like compile code or like do a debugger on the ipad and the answer is because they just don't believe in that they want the code that always runs no matter in what environment to be downloaded and vetted via the app store which is a security thing but it also severely limits some of the cool things you might be able to do with an ipad app right um i will double check on this. I hope to be wrong, but I have a feeling these are more impressive demos than uh you know than actual leaps forward in making the iPad. you know when I say a pro app like I don't know what pro API means like I said when I say pro app, I mean something i like charging significant money for right significant in the iOS world I guess is like fourteen cents. But you know, like fifty bucks, right? A yearly subscription, fifty bucks, hundred bucks. I don't know that you can provide that full feature stuff. Now there are some areas you can, right? Apps for DJs, app for podcasters. Those are people who, although again, you have Spotify and they're Sherlocking the crap out of you. So it's true. Yeah. Yep. I don't. Know. We'll see. I, I I've been burned before, so maybe I hope I'm wrong. I also
0: wonder how much of this is limited to the M1 iPads. Some of this new multitasking, multi monitor. A lot of it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They finally introduced WeatherKit for iOS. They bought Dark Sky, I can't even remember how long ago. And they just finally introduced a WeatherKit API. I don't know what that means for developers like Carrot Weather that, you know, they're an independent weather app, I don't know. Now anybody's going to be able to bang out a weather app. We'll see how that goes. They also on the iPads, they announced display scaling. So you don't necessarily have to run in pixel doubled mode. You could scale it back and get more screen resolution on your iPad. You combine that with uh, what are they called? Stage manager and the multi-monitor stuff. And then maybe you have that $300 magic keyboard with that thing and maybe a hundred dollar pencil with that thing. What you have is something that's damn close to a laptop, but it's iOS. And for some people, I think that actually is, a, uh, don't know. I I still use my 2018 iPad Pro and I still like it a lot. I still find it to be a really good device just for really focused communication. It's such a big investment that I would only be willing to do it very rarely, you know. But they're getting there slowly. Maybe they move so slowly because people upgrade so slowly. People like you and I, you know, we don't get new iPads that often. So maybe they just figure they can go at it nice and slow. Could be something like that. They also, jumping around a bit, Talked a little bit more about continuity. You're going to get FaceTime handoff. That's actually a pretty good feature. I think Apple automatically just now has like, if a contact supports FaceTime or something, when my anyone in my, my immediate family calls me now, they're always calling me as a FaceTime audio call. So getting FaceTime handoff is nice. And then in the finally category, iPhone is a webcam available later this year, paired with a MagSafe clip that mounts it on the top of your monitor or your or your laptop. You attach the MagSafe clip. You don't even have to wake the screen of the iPhone. It immediately wirelessly connects to the Mac as a full-res camera. And then they spent God knows how much time developing this crazy-ass niche feature that uses the wide-angle lens of the iPhone to actually capture your desk, your keyboard, and your mouse so you can show people your workspace if you want without having to change cameras. That might be cool for like a VR situation, Hmm? virtual workspaces. Maybe. 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 I mean,
1: I doubt it, but, you yeah. know.
0: This is a nice little thing, though, you know, because you got good optics on that iPhone. And it's got a good image signal processor, and it supports center stage using that wide angle. So, I don't know. I look at that kind of stuff, and I've, I put that all in the nice-to-have category, but it seemed like some years are like this more than others, but it seemed like this was a year where everything was about the Apple ecosystem, with the exception of Matter. Everything requires that you are all in as a developer. You're all in as an end user. It is nothing really new to bring you into the ecosystem. There wasn't like a new category or something like that. It was very, very much a deepening that trench, you know, and I, what I got out of this, when you look at all of the share stuff, the family integration stuff, the handoff stuff, what I got is. Apple is creating an ecosystem out of your friends and family with the iMessage improvements, with the auto share API. They are creating. So now they're extending their ecosystem beyond their like before the ecosystem was watch, phone, Apple TV, Mac, HomePod. Right. Now it's all of those things. But now it's all your family and friends are interconnected with all those things, too. And now they all are creating a collective dependence on Apple services and Apple messaging and et cetera.
1: And Making it a pain in the butt to leave the ecosystem, which is we know is their goal because one of the emails revealed in the Epic trial was on the hardware side. One of their big concerns is we need a cheap iPhone and we need messages to make sure that parents don't just give their teeny bopper, you know, a cheap Android device. This is
0: the WWDC where I think that master strategy becomes kind of obvious on its face. And now looking back at it, it's clear this is where they were going. This is why they've always made such great, great family sharing options. That was always their incentive. But with this WWDC, it really felt like, hey, look at the stuff we have and look how it gets even better when you use these new collaboration features. Like they talked about uh, sending a link over messages to somebody and instantly kicks off a collaboration session in an app. FaceTime sharing where you can be on FaceTime and you can start a collaboration session and start working on something. Everybody's name who's working on the doc, good features, good stuff. But all of it is to reinforce the ecosystem effect when you're working with multiple people. I thought that was fascinating. Tailscale.com slash coder. This is a secret weapon of mine. It's not so secret, but I love tailscale I think Mike, you use Tailscale. I think everybody on the network is using Tailscale now. It's so great. It's so handy. You create a super quick VPN. It is a peer to peer connection from your machine to your other machines, all on a mesh network. They have a backplane that handles all of the negotiations and connections. It works with your single sign on vendor. So that means if you have like an organization that uses single sign on with two factor, you can integrate it with that. It supports magic DNS. So if you put something like a pie hole in your mesh network, then you can start resolving all of your machines by name. All of it's protected by WireGuard's noise protocol, which I think is the absolute best VPN encryption out there. And I think they're a really clever company. I think if you go read their blog, you'll get some real insights into the long-term thinking that TailScale has about all of this. So if you go to tailscale.com coder, you can sign up for free for 20 devices. And it is so quick to get started. You can get it running on just about any device. I, I bet you... You could probably do it in one minute per device. On my NixOS systems, in probably 30 seconds, I can get Tailscale up and running. Raspberry Pis, same thing. On my phone, it's in the App Store. You get it installed. You get connected. The authentic- the authentication process, it's so smooth. It's so smooth. I want to put this on blast. You got to go try it. It's going to change the way you do networking. It's going to change the way you do VPN. That's so obvious, but I, t- I think I'm just making that connection for the first time. That's the power of Tailscale. Go try it out. Tailscale.com/slash Coder. So you got yourself one of the new HP Dev Ones. I have a review unit in route. You actually bought one. I
1: bought one, and I do apparently have a review unit en route but
0: (laughs) you got one anyways and you got it quicker that way so perhaps that's good What what do you think you want to do a first impressions on hp's laptop built for developers that ships with pop os
1: yeah so just a quick first impression it's only been a few days so overall i i like it it's i would say it's on par with most linux laptops you can buy now There's some interesting choices in it. For instance, the glossy screen is super bright, but still glossy. Uh, So I I found myself turning up the brightness to fight glare. Out of the box, the setup experience is great. It's Pop! OS, right, which is like Ubuntu under the covers, basically. So if you know how to do your apt glory, you can set up a tool chain pretty quickly. Uh, The remote encryption... See, it's difficult not to just be reviewing Pop! OS, right? (laughs) yeah yeah so you know i'm just gonna focus on the hardware we've talked about pop a lot and i think i think it's the hardware that's kind of the difference here build quality is pretty good it is plastic which i was slightly disappointed i thought it would be metal but it's a pretty nice firm plastic but it doesn't feel flimsy at all it has actual ports which is which is nice no USB C charging though barrel it's got a barrel charger yeah the webcam is okay. It's, you know, it's, it's what you get on most laptops. It's got a nice shield on it where you can close the webcam via hardware. Speakers, I would say, of the Linux laptops I've used, this, these speakers are better. Ah, okay. Performance is great. The AMD Ryzen 7 is is doing, you know, doing just fine. It does come when you buy it with 16 gigs of RAM. You can configure it after the fact. I haven't popped it open yet to upgrade RAM. That's definitely something I think I'm going to do because I work when I'm on the Linux machines. I usually have a Windows VM open too.
0: But you have to do that after the fact, right? Because unless I'm missing something here on their order page, I went to go order it, and there's no, there's no tweaking of the build. I
1: found the same thing. There's no tweaking of the build. It's you order it, they ship it, huzzah. Then you upgrade it after the fact if you want or can. I don't know. Okay. And they, they do say you can. They explicitly say that. So that's going to be something I'm going to be trying out. I did not buy the... I have a launch keyboard. I ha, I don't... You know, I didn't buy the HP Creator mouse, but I, I think we we're getting one anyway, so... I like that they're offering to include
0: a System76 launch. That's pretty neat.
1: I mean, it's a really interesting deal from a Linux ecosystem perspective, right? Yeah. I definitely hope that there are future versions of this product because I could see, you know, some some kind of obvious upgrades like one usb charging right what year is it yeah
0: i wonder if maybe somebody could send it in over a booster email is this something about the ryzen platform
1: is that it is that the limitation because my son has a ryzen laptop and it also has a barrel charger maybe that's it maybe that's it yeah performance rise it runs fine out of the box of course i hit a steam issue because that's what you do when you comment on linux laptops and when i i had a weird issue where the terminal kept suspending but then i just Blew out a couple dependencies and reinstalled them, and it was fine. Hasn't done it in a day, so I'm not sure. No biometrics that I saw. I'm curious about fan noise. You know, with the Ryzen system, how's
0: temperature and performance and, and that stuff?
1: So I haven't got it to be loud yet. Okay. I Actually, my plan for tonight is to install XCOM and, and see how we do.
0: You know, that is where I'd be really curious to hear your opinion because, my, like I mentioned, my kid has a Ryzen laptop, and for the most part, I just don't even have him turn on his NVIDIA GPU. I have him just use the built in Ryzen graphics and it looks pretty damn good. So, the idea that you could have pretty acceptable gaming performance on a laptop with the integrated GPU is a serious seller for me because if I'm going to blow, you know, 1100 bucks on a laptop or something, a thousand bucks on a laptop, and it's going to be a Linux laptop, I really want to play some games because there's so many great games for Linux now.
1: Yeah, well, that's and that's one of the big things Linux has for macOS, right? It's just leaps and bounds above it in gaming.
0: Real-time follow-up from the chat room, they have a Dell with a Ryzen that has a USB-C charger. So it's probably not something specific to the Ryzen platform.
1: Okay, and I'm sure if we looked deeply that there must be some very similar Windows HP, right? Like, SKU.
0: Could be a next-generation thing, too. Like, if they started
1: working on this a year ago or something to, you know, QA it and everything like that. The only thing I haven't just real quick tested yet is, I want to see how much pressure it can take without getting super loud. Yeah, yeah. It's, so far, it hasn't gotten loud at all, but I'm I'm always skeptical of that.
0: Also curious about your uh, your first impressions of the keyboard and trackpad quality.
1: Uh, you know the trackpad it, it's it's a little old fashioned. First of all, it has a nubbin, the little the little you know the old the ThinkPads have the like nub. In the middle of the keyboard. The track point? Thank you. The track point. I I could not use one in the early aughts and I still can't use them now. So I'm <laughs> not the best person to ask about that. Trackpad's fine. It's got two dedicated mouse clickers. You can change that in the settings to do some more gesture stuff. They do have some interesting gesture stuff enabled. It's for a Windows trackpad, it's not bad. It's good. I mean, I'm not you know, non Mac trackpad, it's it's pretty good. I would say it's probably on par with I mean, I have an older XPS. It's pretty much on par with that, right? That's,
0: I'd say, an acceptable performance. It's not yeah.
1: stand out, but it's acceptable. The keyboard is nice. I actually like it. You know, they they cut like a circle, like a half circle, and the keys where the where the track point. That's what we said. Where the track point is, which I thought I would find very annoying, but it was fine. The battery life. Well, I don't think Pop OS tells you the truth about your battery life because it jumps wildly all the time. At least in my usage. It's actually been better than I thought it would be. Oh, okay. I'm going to take it on the road and see, you know, a more true test, right? Working out of the house, not being plugged in or, you know, what what is it really? What, what's it like in a realistic usage, right? Like streaming Spotify and working in VS Code with Slack open.
0: You know, I'd love to hear the results of that test. Yeah, because this is a machine you need to take with you sometimes. So, okay, at this stage where you're at, would you buy something like this for a new hire? You got somebody coming on. I mean, one of the things you got to give these guys is they got this thing to you fast. Would you buy something like this for a new hire?
1: If it holds up and I'm doing kind of a month-long test of it, this could be the easy, like, you know, MadBot or standard issue. You're a new random Python or Ruby guy. Here you go. I mean, I, we're mostly buying Linux machines now anyway. So another nice thing about this machine is... Right now, we have like a bunch of different S76 and a few Dells running around. It would be nice to standardize for kind of like lots of reasons, right? I I could maybe get a better deal on buying RAM chips if I could order just like, it it would be great if I could buy it with more than 16 gigs of RAM and not have to deal with that problem. Yeah. But as it stands, you know, the process is I buy the machines. I try to install the dependencies that I think the person's going to need for their role on them. I give them the password, blah, blah, blah. And then I send it back out, which is... You know, very inefec- inefficient, but it saves usually like half a day of I can't get my tool chain up.
0: And I guess if you were going to deploy Pop! OS already, it's getting you just that much further down that process.
1: Yeah, I mean, built in a lot easier. Right. And then I know that, like, there's someone for me to yell at if somebody's Wi-Fi card dies. <laughs> so it's got two USB-A ports,
0: two USB-C, and HDMI out and, of course, a headphone port and then the barrel connector. Not bad on the connectivity side.
1: No, not it, it. It's it's. I gotta say, like for a web dev laptop, I think this is a very viable choice if you want Linux. Uh, I know there's a lot of caveats, but I I feel like the Linux machines are somewhat have to be judged both against the Macs and the higher end Windows machines. And but also, if you're like if you're coming to the table saying I will only buy a pre-installed Linux machine, that's kind of a different category, right?
0: Right. This is a tool to do a job. Yeah. I need a Linux development environment.
1: Yeah. And the pricing is not bad.
0: All right. So, I'm, you know, I've got a whole battery of tests I want to throw out. I, of course, want to really kind of dissect it, try different distributions on there, see how Wayland works on there. You know, I want to throw it through all of the various paces, but I'm content to wait because your first look here has has answered some of my questions. Now, to be clear, it looks like a glossy display, but they have notes on here that make it look like they've tried to make it. Usable in a bright environment.
1: Did you try using this thing outside? I did. Um, so I was able to overcome the glare by turning the brightness all the way up. Whoa. That of course hammers your battery life. It gets bright though. It gets bright. I think they said it was like a thousand nits or something crazy like that. You know, as a Linux user, what I love
0: about this laptop is the idea that with a Ryzen GPU and a Ryzen CPU. I do nothing beyond just install my distro and I've got full 3d acceleration. I've got full fricking open source graphics. To me, that's a very compelling starting place and it's why I bought my ThinkPad and I went all Intel and the performance has been inadequate. I have never really been that happy with my ThinkPad. I still use it and I feel like I've learned certain optimizations that I can do that have helped with its performance but I feel like it suffers from having a really good GPU. And I kind of just missed the latest gen of Intel CPUs that kind of made up some of this distance. And I got a generation before that. And so I've never been really that thrilled. And now with the Apple M2 generation launching, I know this sounds silly, but I'm kind of disincentivized to buy an Intel-based machine. And I feel like, at least when I get a Ryzen, I'm getting something that feels modern, even though I understand it's it maybe not equivalent like that. But in my mind, it feels like Intel represents old computing. And AMD and Ryzen don't represent that to me. I know that's just a pure branding thing. But when you're trying to decide what you're going to buy, I feel like that stuff kind of plays a factor. And then you combine the fact that you get open source graphics stack I think it kind of puts ahead of the pack. So I am looking forward to getting my review unit.
1: Yeah, I'm very curious as to your thoughts because, you know, I'm just never going to care to install different distros on it. So for me, it's kind of like just first impressions, right? Is this a viable machine for a Python dev or an Angular dev? And the answer is yes, right? Obviously, yes. There's, I, I do feel that the target customer here, even though the marketing is very like devs, 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 I think it's IT manager or guy who owns dev shop buying for their devs.
0: Yeah, Linux enthusiast that wants a nice out-of-the-box experience. Linux enthusiast,
1: yep, yep.
0: System 76 is market. Yeah. Which is why I find this to be kind of a surprising, but yet, I think, delightful partnership.
1: Oh, you will remember my bacon.
0: Yeah, I do. I do remember your bacon, your tasty, tasty, you know, acquisition
1: bacon. My, my uh, M&A bacon, yes.
0: I feel like in six months to a year, I want to sit down with Carl, have a drink, and just ask him, like, what are your thoughts on this from like a, you know, 50,000 foot strategic level the next five years? Like, what, what are your thoughts here? Is this a is this a new area of business? Chris, at Stanford. You can do better than a drink. <laughs> well, there you go. Thanks for giving us that first impressions. What do you say we do a couple of boosts and then we get out of here? Sure. Boost it out. Four score and seven boosts to go. All right. Well, the Golden Dragon boosted in and he loves giving us the uh, row of ducks. That's uh, four twos. You put in a calculator. Yeah, yeah, I know. So the Golden Dragon boosted in.
1: I'm a duck. D-U-K duck. Loaded with talent.
0: He says, uh, not technically sure if this is cloud, but at my job, we log into a remote server that runs Microsoft Dynamics AX, and it's terrible. I wish that we would go FOSS and get over with it. The version we use hasn't been supported for a decade, literally, and has connection issues all the time amongst other remote, remote issues. We were talking about remote desktops and working environments. We did get some feedback on that that I think we'll read soon. But I actually used to support (laughs) a, a Microsoft remote desktop session for Dynamics AX. And I can attest that it is an absolute horrible pig. And when you combine that with limitations of remote sessions and then running multiple copies on one box and the fact that it's not supported... That's remote that's remote sessions done the worst way possible. So I feel you, Golden Dragon. Wine Hummingbird boosted in with a thousand sats four days ago. B O O S T. You folks beat on Windows all the time. Meanwhile, the entire financial world runs on it. And it employs legions of devs. I think Hummingbird might work for Microsoft. <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's right though, or they are right. One of us once said Windows 11, or I'm sorry, Windows 10 was the best Linux desktop distro, so. You did say that, didn't you? And I did the WSL and the WSL2 challenge, and I had the Penguin guys when I did the interview show, and I did a lot of Windows love, mostly sub-Linux love, but eh,
0: come on. It's because it's been a while. You know what? We do, on average, go hard on Windows because we don't like it as a desktop experience. But there has been several several times where we got on come on the show and been like, now, Microsoft nailed this. They've done a good job with this. It's just far and few, mostly because I think you're bitter over the whole Metro stuff and <laughs> Windows 8 <laughs> phone stuff. I should have said anything. All right. Moving on. <laughs> Never forget. Never forget. Uh, Knicks are boosted in five days ago with a row of ducks. Thank you very much.
1: And here's something for your trouble.
0: He says just giving love for the best podcast For developers out there what do you think of that he must be drunk suck on that atp (laughs) hey (laughs) oh no you're right you're right i accept you as you are uh nixer actually came back in with a double boost boost said i caught the part about the cloud work at uh, and i wanted to send this in Uh, i work for an msp remotely they actually have a box set up in the office in texas that i use for support to do remote into that box from new york any tools that we have uses the web and I just have my local browser on my machine. Everything else is done on that box in Texas. They've mailed me a FOIP phone, so all my calls come from that office too. Our customers think I just work out of the office in Texas. I suppose either way it works okay though. Until someone kicks out
1: your power cord in Texas by accident, yes. <laughs>
0: yeah, but that's you know, as a worker, that's just a that's just a free license to take the day off. No no guilt, no shame.
1: You know, as a boss it sucks. And as an owner, it's horrible. Yeah. Oh. If it works, I mean, whatever. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I know you don't like it. I know you don't like it. You're always in, you're always looking at it as a boss. Uh, we also got some thank you boosts, a double thank you boost from Kaspiland and from LT Guyo Five. Thank you, everybody. If you'd like to send us a boost, you can get a new podcast app over at NewPodcastApps.com and you load it up with some stats. Or if you don't want to switch apps, you can grab Breeze at B R E E Z dot technology for iOS or Android. And then you can boost without switching apps. Also, thank you to our members. You get something very special. That is a Coderly once a quarter. You also get the members feed that has no ads. I am also working on a live version, which I got to figure out not only some of the tech details, but like what's going to be in that live feed version. But I am formulating that for them members. I know. Probably just a lot of cussing, you know, lot of cussing, lots of cussing.
1: Drew cuts it out of the show, but they start the show being like, hey, did you see this new Metro UI? Oh, my God. Mike was logged in. We're so sorry.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's awful. Uh, It's also just a great way
0: to support the show. Keep us independent. Working with the sponsors we should be. You know, all that kind of stuff. CoderQA.co. Thanks to our members over there. Mr. Dominic, is there anywhere you want to send folks this week here on the Coder program?
1: Uh, Sure. You know what? Go to alice.dev and maybe the end of the week I'll have something on the one on DominicM.com. The dev one, I mean.
0: Ooh. Further thoughts on the laptop, perhaps. Very, very Mm -hmm. nice. Mm -hmm. I wonder if by next episode I'll have my review unit. Wouldn't that be cool? I think you probably will. It seems like you should. I might tweet it out when I get it at Chris LAS the podcast is at Coder Radio Show and the network is at Jupiter Signal there's a whole network of shows you might like Linux Action News perhaps you'd like to try self-hosted or Linux (laughs) Unplugged they're all over there and of course the new show Office Hours where we talk about the back end projects for the network and more at officehours.hair yep it's officehours.hair links to what we talked about today Coder.show slash 469 over there you'll find our contact form that's a big part of the show we'd love to hear from you and our subscribe page also we always appreciate you sharing the show or showing up live mondays at noon pacific 3 p.m eastern at JBLive.tv. thanks so much for being here on this week's episode of coda radio see you right back here next week